everyone. Welcome back to the Minute Women podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. Are you ready for another Heritage Minute deep dive I today? Am. I am. Well, before we get into it, we have to scold everyone. Okay. Because they need to go rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. Our last review was in April, and I'm not saying that I'm upset. I'm just disappointed. Just disappointed. <laughs> just disappointed. We just, we expect a little bit more. <laughs> You know, we give you guys, like, free weekly content, puts hair behind ear, (laughs) points fingers together, so it would mean a lot to us. It would just be really, really, really nice. If you could go rate and review the podcast. With five stars. With five stars. Let us know what you think. It is just, like, a really big help to the show. That is the main thing. It's, like... If you want, we want to like build our little community that we have. So exactly. it's the best way for this podcast to get into the ears of more people. Yes. So please leave a review on Apple Podcast. And, you know, if you share it with a friend, be like, be sure to like review it. Right. Review. Like, let them Subscribe. know. And then like turn on auto downloads. Yeah. That's another like huge thing. So, anyways, that's your public service announcement for the week is, you know, please. Review the podcast. Please. Okay. Now that we've gotten the business out of the way. (laughs) I don't like scolding people. I know, right? It's very stressful. I'm sweating. So what are you educating me on today? What am I learning? This week's Canadian history education is the Winnipeg Falcons Heritage Minute, which is one of the newer ones. Yeah. I don't don't know if I've watched it. Oh, you must have. It's the one with Jared Kiso. Oh, yes. I have. Yes. So Jared Kiso of... Um, oh, letter kenny fame oh it's sad it's a sad one it is people are dead there's an extended version of it what he is God, one of the most man. attractive canadians i know he's married but like but he's beautiful he's God so beautiful beautiful there's a behind the scenes of this heritage minute where they because this one was made at the same time as the nursing sisters one okay so this behind the scenes thing is interviewing the cast of both these heritage minutes oh, nice. and the director and he made a really interesting point they're both world war one stories yeah. in a way but he's like i wanted to to understand world war one from like a different perspective i wanted right. like a different entry point to the conflict yeah and i wanted an underdog story Ugh. like both of them are very underdog stories so yeah. it's actually really worth watching oh, i'm excited but jared kiso is interviewed and it's before letter kenny i was gonna say for those of you who don't know jared <laughs> kiso is the writer creator star of a phenomenal canadian show which started out as a youtube series yeah which started out as a YouTube series. Which is like Letterkenny Problems, I think. Letterkenny's not a place. Yeah. Not a real place. But it is modeled after their hometown. Real hometown. <laughs> and it's fantastic. It is quick-witted humor. Serious slapstick, if that's possible. <laughs> like, it's just like rapid-fire comedy. It's excellent. Like, how many jokes can we say in about... With a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he's interviewed in this. And it's before Letterkenny and everything. He looks so gun shy in this oh, interview really? it's the sweetest thing uh, he like he looks like so genuinely earnest, earnest yeah. like about this heritage man he's like it's a really important story <laughs> and it's like it's really hard to portray someone who's like a real person you like yeah. want to do it justice like it's like so serious uh, and i'm like jerry Ke- baby jerry yeah. Kiso. <laughs> you're a little cutie uh, I gotta watch it now. Yeah. If you haven't watched the Heritage Minute, you should go watch it. It's one. I think it's definitely one of the more successful newer ones. Yeah. It's very moving. They they managed to tell 
a very compelling story with one scene. In a minute, yeah. Yeah, it's not, there's like a few cutaways, but like it's all about this like one moment. And it's narrated by George Strombolopoulos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have like two pretty famous Canadians (sighs) in it. So fun fact. Okay. Canada has the largest ethnic Icelandic population outside of Iceland. That is surprising. We have about 101,000 people um, who are full or partially of Icelandic descent in Canada. And many Icelandic Canadians are descendants of people who fled an Icelandic volcano eruption in 1875. Okay. So it took natural disaster for the Icelandic people to be like, we have to leave. Well, I guess it does make sense because there's a lot of people who are like John's son or like Mm -hmm. Edmund's son. I I know a lot of people with that kind of last name. It's different than other European migrations to North America because immigration from Iceland happened well after a lot of other European countries. And the reason that a lot of people go to the U.S., for example, is because they had family who left. And so you have either an ethnic community there. Right. Or you actually have personal family there. Right. And so you would go and stay with them. But there was really successful campaigning to get Icelandic people to immigrate to Canada. And there's none of that pre-migration happening. Okay. So there's no like Icelandic community in the U.S. for Icelandic people to feel particularly drawn to go there. Okay. So a lot of them just come to Canada instead. And it's like, yeah, you got cold. Yeah. We're good with cold. Yeah. Let's do it. We like like winter sports. We like winter sports. (laughs) A lot of them wind up in the prairies. So Manitoba has the highest total Icelandic Canadian population with about 31,000 people. Okay. Like still? Yes. Wow. And it has the highest ratio of Icelandic Canadians as well. So like 2.4% of the Manitoban population is Icelandic. All those blonde-haired, blue-eyed people all reside in Manitoba. (laughs) That's why they're great at hockey. Yes. Those are all these big boys. Yes, big boys. The, The town of Gimli, Manitoba has the highest concentration of Icelanders with 26% of the city's population. That's a lot. Being Icelandic, yeah. (laughs) The early roots of the Winnipeg Falcons can be traced to this migration of Icelandic peoples. So the Icelandic Athletic Club was formed in 1898. And it's fairly common for immigrants to Canada and to other countries to form enclaves such as men's or athletics clubs around their home culture and nationality. In these enclaves, they could speak their home language, express their culture, and escape ongoing discrimination that they felt as migrants. So many migrants, such as Icelandic migrants who filled the Icelandic Athletic Club, were excluded from wider sporting leagues. So xenophobia, for whatever reason, these Icelandic people cannot participate in wider sport. I think it's also because they're probably better at it than most people. Way (laughs) better. So within the club, There is a two-team league, so you have the Icelandic Athletic Club team and the Vikings. Like I I love one went literal and one was like, we're going to do something different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't both be the Icelandic Athletic Club. Uh, (laughs) Which came first? Vikings. (laughs) You know what's cool? Vikings. Vikings. (laughs) In the late 1890s, the Vikings and the Icelandic Athletic Club created their own opportunities and became heated rivals in hockey competition as in other sports. So huh. in all the sports, they, they're rivals. In 1910, these two rival teams, because as a reminder, 
There's no one else that they play. Yeah. So, of course, they're rivals. Yeah. <laughs> Who else are they going to have a rivalry right. with? <laughs> Agreed to become one team. Okay. So, now they're, they are one. They are one. Uh, because almost all the players were of Icelandic descent, the falcon, which is the national bird of Iceland, oh, okay. um, became their emblem. And so, now they are the Winnipeg Falcons. Nice. Though, I will say they are actually in the city of Gimli. I believe. Okay. So today, if you wanted to go to like the Winnipeg Falcon Museum and stuff, there's a museum in Gimli. Gimli. But maybe during this time, it's just considered like a borough of Winnipeg. The Winnipeg Falcons had been excluded from the City League because of their racial origin. Eventually, though, the Falcons... I just like, uh, history is so dumb. It's not, it's not that I understand racism, but I'm like, if there's like a... (laughs) Like, <laughs> I get it. It's like, I get it. But it's like, I just, what's your problem now? They're white. Like, like what's your, like, what is your discrimination against them? They look like you. You know what, though? <laughs> At least it's more nuanced. I guess. I guess it's just like fair now. It's like, oh, no, it's not the color of your skin. It's just like from not being from here. Like, you don't, I can't communicate with you. Yeah, you speak a different language sometimes. And that's just too weird for me. Like, it's also like, when I think of Winnipeg, like, it's a very, white city like you have metis people but it's, but then also like all the other people are british yeah. or also scandinavian so i'm like i don't get it like, <laughs> like the swedes being like oh we're not them like uh, fuck iceland <laughs> yeah uh, fuck them <laughs> um so eventually the falcons were allowed to join the wider because like who else are they gonna play well, and and I think that maybe it was like, oh, some new competition might not be so bad. Some fresh blood. Like, what do they have? Like five teams in their league? <laughs> like four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so within the Manitoba Independent League, which is an intermediate league, there are the Monarchs, Kenora. Do you think it's Monarchs Brandon? like kings or Monarchs like butterflies? Both. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> and then the Winnipegs. They're not very interesting names. Uh, we'll be, we're from Winnipeg, so we'll just put an S on it and call it a day. Early success was difficult for the Falcons, but by 1912 to the 1913 season, which I must say is like two years in. So by early success, they mean the first two years they were in the league. They had recruited Connie Johansson and Frank Fredrickson onto their team. And this really improved their roster. So the team improved to win the Independent League's title in 1915 and finally achieved one of its long-sought goals to join the City Leagues when it was admitted to the B section of the Winnipeg Senior League. Is that bad? Is that like a diss? No, it's a good thing. Oh, that's so good. now okay. I think it's more like Premier League soccer where you have like oh, relegation yeah. and stuff. So yeah, now yeah. they're moving. Because they've won in this league, they get put they're up. They're allowed to move up to yeah. another league. Okay, cool. On the 24th of February, 1915, the Winnipeg Falcons lost a two-game series. Oh. <laughs> Just, I guess it was probably best of two, but it's like barely a series. Probably. It was probably best of three. Yeah. And they only played in two games because they lost them. Yeah. So they, they lost a two-game series against the Winnipeg Monarchs for the Manitoba Senior Hockey League Championship. Despite the loss, Frank Buster Thornsteinson had played well. So okay. in a playoff that featured two future NHL Hall of Famers, oh. uh, Dick Irvine Sr. and Frank Fredrickson, the Manitoba Free Press described Thornsteinson as the pick of the forwards. Oh, As they put away their gear, the players could not have known that this was going to be their last game as the Falcons for another four years. 
The Great War had broken out in Europe, and within a year, almost every player on the Falcons had enlisted to serve overseas in the Canadian Expeditionary Force. Oh, it's about to get sad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cue sad music. So most of the Falcons enlisted in the 223rd Canadian Scandinavians Battalion. Falcons team executive Hans Hansesson. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> Commanded the battalion. Through the winter of 1916 to 1917, some of the Falcons continued to play together in the Winnipeg Patriotic League as part of the 223rd Battalion's hockey team. Hebby Axford, who is portrayed by Jerry Kiso, coached while... Now we're in a whole new league of hard names to pronounce. Okay. French French has nothing on Scandinavian Uh. names. Gudmunder Sigur Jansson. Okay. We're not saying that again. Was the trainer. (laughs) Bless you. Good. Good is now his name. Goody. Wally Bryan, Frank Fredrickson, Connie Johansson, and brothers Bobby and Harvey Benson were also on the roster. So those are all Falcons playing on this battalion team. Yeah. In May 1917, the 223rd Battalion shipped off to England. The battalion was broken up for reinforcements on arrival. Hebby, Axford, Frank Fredrickson, and Connie Johansson transferred to the Royal Flying Corps, where they trained as pilots. The Benson brothers, along with Wally Bryden and uh, Guddy, were posted <laughs> to the 27th Winnipeg Battalion in France. Hebby Axford was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for bravery, Frank Fredrickson was injured in an aircraft crash in September 1918. Bobby Benson was wounded one month later, but all of them survived and returned to Winnipeg in 1919. However, it was a different story for the two Winnipeg Falcons who did not join this battalion. So all of the ones that joined this battalion wind up surviving the war. George Cumbers was a locomotive mechanic, and so his job was considered essential for the war effort, and so he wasn't allowed to enlist when everybody else did. Right. He was finally allowed to enlist in the Canadian Railway Troops in March 1917. Three months later, he was in France with the number 13 Light Railway Operating Company. For 10 months, he serviced locomotive engines operating on the military railways. On the morning of 28th of March, 1918, his unit was camped about eight kilometers southwest of Vimy Ridge. They gathered for breakfast, and a German artillery shell exploded in the center of their camp, and it killed 19 soldiers, including Cumbers. Like Cumbers, our boy Buster also died during the First World War. Before the war, Buster had worked as a clerk at the branch of the North Crown Bank in Winnipeg's West End. And his manager, Fred Thordeson, was a player and the executive board member of the Falcons. So that's like how he got involved with the Falcons. Right. Frank was transferred to the North Crown branch at Swift Current in Saskatchewan in the fall of 1915. He enlisted with the 209th Battalion on the 1st of March, 1916. His attestation papers note a scar on his right knee that he got from a hockey skate. Scar from hockey is like in his papers. He trained at Camp Hughes in Manitoba during the summer of 1916, and his former Falcon teammates were there, too, with the 223rd Battalion. So Frank sailed to England with the 209th in early November of 1916 aboard the RMS Coronia. The Coronia was one of the ships that telegraphed an iceberg warning to the RMS uh, Titanic. Oh. Fun fact. Fun fact. In England, the 209th was broken up in order to reinforce other units at the front. 
Frank was posted to the 10th Battalion and joined his new unit near Vimy Ridge on the 28th of April, 1917. It had taken over a year, but Frank was finally actually at the war front. So the library and archives file contained very little information about Frank's service when he arrived in France. According to the battalion daily orders, Frank was assigned to D Company to the 10th Battalion. He saw action at Hill 70 in August of 1917 and at Passchendaele in November of 1917. Frank was at the relief of the 8th Winnipeg Rifles Battalion at Passchendaele. He came through all of these unwounded. In uh, the Library and Archives files, they record that he was hospitalized with mumps in December of 1917 and spent the next four weeks convalescing. So just like getting better. After rejoining his battalion at the end of February, he was sent to leave for England for two weeks, but returned on March 10th in 1918. The last two entries stated that he was wounded by dangerous shell gases on the 13th of March and that then he died of his wounds the following day. Um, Frank is buried at the Barlin Cemetery. Two weeks later, his friend George Cumbers was buried in the same graveyard, just eight graves away. Oh, sad. Yeah. So these two falcons did not survive, but are buried almost side by side in Barlin. Oh, so sad. Where's Barlin? I believe it's in Sorry. Belgium. No, okay. no, oh no, that's okay. I'm pretty sure it's in Belgium. Okay. That's the sad stuff, though. We're That's done for sad. So when the war was over, the main Falcons team was reassembled. So you have Johansson, Fredrickson, Benson, uh, Bobby Benson. So I don't think his brother rejoins, but their goalie, Wally Byron, trainer, Gordon Sigurd Johnson, <laughs> and their team president, Hebby Axford, were among the team members who returned from service. In 1919 to the 1920 season, the team was accepted into Winnipeg Senior Hockey League in a division that included the Selkirk and Brandon teams. The team was focused that season under coach Fred Steamer Maxwell, and they emerged as the Winnipeg League champions after a legendary struggle against the Selkirk fishermen. Of course. Where is Selkirk? Where no are they idea. fishing? Where, where are you fishing in Manitoba? <laughs> yeah, I guess on the Riddle lakes. Riddle me that. Riddle me that. <laughs> the championship series was won 11-6, the second game a double overtime classic at the old Amphitheater Arena that saw the Falcons rally from a 5-1 deficit to win the game 6-5 Woof. on a sudden death goal by Slim Halderson. Next, the Falcons prevailed over the Fort William Maple Leafs to claim the Western Hockey Championship. And in an unexpectedly easy romp, they defeated the favored University of Toronto Club 11-5 in a two-game series to win the Allen Cup. A so the romp. Allen Cup is like the height of hockey at this time. Okay. Um, the NHL would have been formed, but just yeah. like three years earlier. Yeah. So you still have like Canadian leagues. Yeah. And the Allen Cup is a pretty elite trophy. So it's the highest like amateur award. Yeah. And because they had won the highest amateur award, that meant that they got to represent Canada at the Olympic Games in what? Antwerp, Belgium. Oh, that's so cool. So they, the Falcons were off to this 1920 Summer Olympics. Yes. In the, they Why? were the Summer Olympics. <laughs> Why? Hockey was part of the Summer Olympics. Why? <laughs> So at this period of time, the Olympics happen year round. Oh, right, right, right. So the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics happen in the same year. And so because figure skating and hockey were indoor sports, they could be put off 
till later in the spring. So they're happening in like April and May when it's still cold enough that they can keep indoor ice. Right. But it's technically part of the Summer Olympics at that point. Like you've moved into the new season. Okay. But it's not really in the winter or the summer. The 1920 Spring Olympics. Okay. (laughs) Which is hockey and figure skating, I guess. Fun. So in late April 1920, the Falcons were big favorites and they did not disappoint. So at the Olympics, they outscored their opponents total 29 to 1. That's insane. They let one goal in the entire time they were at the Olympics. That's awesome. This included a 15 to nothing win over Czechoslovakia, uh, a hard-fought win to nothing over the United States, and a 12-1 decision over Sweden. So I think that means they just mercy ruled it. Yeah. But then they didn't mercy rule the Czechoslovakian game, which was 15 nothing. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, and that completed the single knockout tournament. In a show of sportsmanship, the Falcons gave their sticks to the Swedish team as a memento. I don't know how nice that is, though. We're really good. Take this stick and maybe you'll be a little better. Maybe we'll (laughs) autograph it for you or something. You can keep it above your mantle. You can probably sell it for a lot of money. (laughs) The victories and the gold medal were huge events across Canada. If the newspapers of the day are any indication, the Toronto Globe, for example, reported not only the Olympic victory, but also that the Falcons had earlier had the success of winning the Western Hockey Championship and the Allen Cup. So they're like doing a whole story about them. A Globe reporter likened their Olympic performance to the gallantry of Canadian troops on Belgium soil in the defense of Ypres during the Great War. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate. That's but nice. It's like they won so good. It's like the war all over again. They're like, uh, PTSD, <laughs> please stop. Yeah, please, please don't remind me of that. Yeah. When the victory was announced in the House of Commons, the entire House responded with enthusiastic applause. Yeah, they did. Who's Prime Minister at the time? Whoever comes after Borden. I don't think Borden would still be in office. No, but doesn't matter. Someone's there. Someone's it's a there. man, and he's white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder if Agnes McPhail. Agnes McPhail, I think, might have been in office at this point. Oh, that's cool. Potentially. I don't know, though. Yeah. Anywho. She probably had a very quiet applause if she was. Yeah. Golf clap. <laughs> yeah. On the 17th of May, the team met with a rousing, heartwarmed welcome from officials, dignitaries, and a crowd of at least 2,000 people in Toronto, one of their stops on their way home. Upon the team's return to Winnipeg in May, there was a mile-long parade of more than 200 cars, trucks, and horse-drawn vehicles. The Manitoba Press noted, and the city proclaimed a half-day holiday to (laughs) celebrate the return of the champions. Just a half-day. Just a half-day. Take that afternoon off. On the 22nd of May, 1920, a packed civic banquet was staged in their honor at the Fort Gary Hotel, where the city presented the team with their gold watches. So the team is like, it's like the city's like, we got you something. (laughs) We hope you like it. You got to come. You got to come for dinner and we'll give it to you. It'll be really special. On the 25th of May, 1920, edition of the Manitoba Free Press, um, They reported that C.C. Robinson, the Western trustee of the Allen Cup, toasted the Falcons and their quick rise to supremacy. Supremacy. I know. (laughs) The paper reported that Robinson had said he and the other hockey moguls had to, quote, apologize for the indifference with which they had first regarded the Falcons and that this wonderful team had placed Winnipeg at the top of the cities of Canada and had helped make Canada known among nations. So that's kind of nice. This is kind of nice. It's like, sorry we were mean to you earlier. Thanks for being so good. Be friends with us now. (laughs) 
This article also noted that Winnipeg's Icelandic people were exceptionally proud of the Falcons' achievement, noting that the parents of almost all the players had come from Iceland to settle in the area in the previous 45 years, and that the champions of the 7th Olympiad had all been born in and around Winnipeg. So it's just like... That's really sweet. It's special. (laughs) Team members said the article told their fans that their proudest moment after the gold medal win was their welcome home by Winnipeggers. It's nice. Yeah. So at the beginning of the following season, Canadian Amateur Hockey Association president H.J. Sterling was suspicious of multiple players changing their addresses for the purpose of playing on a new team and hired a detective to investigate the amateur status of players in Canada. So the Amateur Athletic Union of Canada voided the amateur registration cards of former Falcons player Haldord Halderson and Robert Benson, so Bobby Benson, Why? Uh, halfway through the season. Um, so Sterling's detective discovered that neither of them worked in Saskatoon, and the pair had received $6,500 to play hockey. So it's an amateur league, and they still live in Winnipeg. Right. But, like, to play for amateur teams, you need to, like, live in the city there. And obviously, they can't pay you to play right. there. So they're playing for these Saskatchewan teams, but still living in Winnipeg. And they're being paid to play on these teams. Yeah. Because they're really good. So now they're being scouted yeah. by teams. Sterling ordered the suspension of the Saskatoon team from the 1921 Allen Cup playoffs. Although the Saskatchewan Amateur Hockey Association allowed the team and the players to continue in the league playoffs. <laughs> so it didn't really Like, matter. we don't care. Yeah. Many Falcons would go on to play in the NHL as well. So the first member of the team to pass away was Chris Fritterfinson, who died at the age of 40 in 1938. And the the last surviving Falcon was Mike Goodman. He was 93 years old when he passed away in 1991. Oh, wow. So most people had forgotten about the Falcons and their gold medal until Hockey Canada decided to honor Canada's hockey history at the 2002 Olympic Games in Salt Lake City. Only in their presentation, Canada awarded or noted that the first Olympic gold medal in hockey had been won by the Toronto Granites in 1924. Wrong. So four years later. At the time, it was common perception that the 1920 games hockey was just a demonstration sport. So it's like, oh, it was played in April. It's not like an actual part of the Olympics. But that's actually not true. Okay. So it was an official sport. Okay. It just was like not in the winter. Yeah. So it was a real sport and it was the first time a medal had been awarded so for hockey. So have they corrected that error? So, oh, there was much outcry by okay. beloved fans of the Falcons okay. team. So this would have remained unknown to Hockey Canada, but and the country more widely, had it not been for the work of the Falcons Forever Committee, which is like a fan committee. Falcons forever. (laughs) Yep. It's their goal to rediscover, celebrate, and share the Falcon story. Uh, Similarly, Connie Johansson's son, Brian, is a computer programmer and designer. And he began to richly document the history of the Falcons when he created a website called the WinnipegFalcons.com in 1999. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like an early fan website, which I love. (laughs) Probably thought he'd lose it all to Y2K. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Their work in the public outcry from Falcons lovers eventually changed Hockey Canada's mind, and Hockey Canada quickly responded and began to recognize the Falcons' victory as the first. Good. So the Falcons were inducted into the Canadian Olympic Committee Hall of Fame in 2006, and a new display honoring the 1920 gold medalists is housed in the main concourse of the Winnipeg's MTS Center, which is the home of the Winnipeg Jets. Jets. Hockey team? Jets. Jets. (laughs) J-E-T-S. Jets. 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 <laughs> the Hockey Hall of Fame, the game's shrine in downtown Toronto, has upgraded their coverage of the Falcons as well. Uh, they used to have an 8 by 10 inch photo, <laughs> and now they have a full display case, which includes Connie Johansson's actual jersey, his gold medal, and his pair of skates. For those of you who don't know, 8 by 10 is the size of the grad photo your grandma wanted for on top of a refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not really great display, so. Yeah, pretty minimal. <laughs> pretty minimal. <laughs> on the 31st of August 2004, Hockey Canada, in recognition of the Falcons' achievement, used a replica yellow and black jersey as an alternate jersey for the 2004 World Cup hockey game against Team USA, which is cool. And then later on that year, on December 20th, the national junior team would wear replicas of the famous gold and black Falcons uniforms for the World Junior Championship in a pre-tournament game in Winnipeg. And today, the Icelandic national hockey team honors the Falcons. Their jersey has a falcon on it, which is the national bird of Iceland. But they also have a Canadian maple leaf on their jersey. So if you look at the national Icelandic hockey team's jersey, there's like a red maple leaf at the bottom, which is really cute. That's awesome. That was a good one. However, what is the scene from the Heritage Minute? So the Heritage Minute scene is them in the locker room before the gold medal game at okay. the Olympics in Antwerp. At the Olympics. Belgium. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so in this scene, they have like the team and they're kind of like their head coach is giving them kind of a speech of, you know, it's like we've gone. We fought in the war. Yeah. We like we did what we had to do. It's like we lost so much. Yeah. But we've still got some like fight left in us. We're gonna do it for the boys. Aww. Because they have the jerseys of Yeah, George. that's what I remember. That they had the jerseys there. Yeah, they have George and Buster's jerseys hanging yeah. in the locker room for them. Which I don't know if, if that's true, but like that is like a very good heritage minute. Yeah. I would say like top ten. Oh, for sure. I don't know if the event is overly significant, but like in the same way, I think the way that they make that heritage minute is so effective. Yeah. Because it tells a World War One story in a way that I think a lot of people would have actually experienced the war, which is, you know, we went to war and then you kind of just have to like carry on with your life yeah. afterwards. But you carry that horrific event with you your entire life. But it's going to influence like everything you do after that point. So it's like the war is this huge critical moment in global history. But it is just one moment in these guys' lives. And yeah. then they go on and they do other things. And they, like, win Canada's first gold medal in hockey. Yeah. Which is, like, I think it's a great that, like, that's not the defining thing about them. No. And I also think that that really shows a lot of character about Canada's, like, early war efforts. Yeah. Is that you still had shit to do at home. Like, it's not. Yeah. And I think that's a, a huge part of, like, World War One and World War Two, and even, even Vietnam vets is that... When you came home, there were other responsibilities. Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't, like, it's not your career. The yeah. military is not your career. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just a thing that you did. 
and now you're back and you have to like move on with that yeah and they kind of say it in the minute is i'm trying to remember exactly how he words it but he's talking about like you know we went to war we lost a lot maybe too much but we were needed so we went yeah and that's the most base level service sort of mentality of the day and obviously you know it's and I, I like that they mentioned, like, maybe it wasn't worth it. Like, yeah. maybe we did lose too much. But you know what? Like, we've just kind of got to move on. And right. I think it's really amazing that this entire team fought, basically. Like, I don't think that there's a single member that, like, that in the it. core of the team that wasn't serving. That wasn't there. That wasn't a part of it. Yeah. And they all grew up together. Like, they all grew up in the same town. Like, and it is one of those features of World War One is, like, they give you the option basically to sign up as a group and like as a team which is a bad idea which is a really bad idea yeah (laughs) because you can have whole city blocks that are just like whole families they're all dead because they're all part of this one battalion and that one battalion got blew up blew up yeah the winnipeg falcons i really like it it's one of my favorite heritage minutes and an early young jared kiso yeah an early young genuine kind sweet-eyed strong-armed so sweet great jawline Great, great eyes. Just, he's great. <laughs> Jerky, so you're great. I know he's married. I know, and that's fu- good for her. Good for her. Good for her. I think we've already said that on the. We have. Episode. I'm trying to think. I was just having that flashback. I was like, what episode did we already talk about how much we love Jerky? So people we want on the show. Yeah. It was about people we want on the show. He's definitely someone that if ever... Hey, Derek Kiso, if you ever want to be on our podcast, you're more than welcome to. More than welcome. I think you'd fit in really well. You'd probably be funnier than all of our episodes combined for sure yeah <laughs> maybe then people would rate review and subscribe maybe then people could rate and review the podcast please on apple podcast is the biggest please. support to the show uh also i want to give a shout out and a reminder to uh someone who has been recently listening to our podcast who reached out uh, his name is brent libby brent has reached out and uh, brent if you are a true fan the least you can do is rate review and subscribe brent libby brent libby is a guy from home oh, but okay, he like bud. is is recently i thought we were calling out strangers for no. a second i was like i don't want to start doing that no recently <laughs> listening to the podcast and enjoys Aww. it but uh this is my challenge to you brent libby. oh is that your boss no oh okay no my boss you said your boss was also listening which he, I my think boss is, is also listening kent wall <laughs> shout out to you for listening to our podcast she deserves a raise <laughs> yeah <laughs> We're just leveraging this podcast just for our leverage. own uh, needs uh, now. Anyways. But like a race would be cool. Christmas is coming. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. thanks for coming back for another episode of the Minute Women podcast. Yeah. And make sure after you've rated and reviewed the podcast <laughs> and subscribed and downloaded the episodes to check out our website, minutewomenpodcast.ca. Mm-hmm. You can find all of our links for merch and our links for social media so you can reach out. Jared Kiso, if you're out there, you can DM us and like Please. let us know how much you love our podcast. And how much you want to be on it. And how much you want to be on our podcast with us. Until next week. Until next time. Until next time. We'll be here. We'll be here. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. See ya.